It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 97, The Eternal Promise. The underlying theme of the scarlet thread, or bloodline of Jesus, weaves all through biblical history. It begins, of course, with Adam and Eve, and the first prophecy in the Bible after the original sin. God declares that the descendants of Eve would crush the head of the serpent, and the serpent would strike at his heel. Of course, Abraham was chosen as God's man with the promises of descendants as numerous as the stars and sand on the seashore to start the nation of the Hebrews, for he passed many, many tests, including his willingness to kill his own son, and Isaac went on to have Jacob. Jacob, in turn, had 12 sons, which became the patriarchs of the tribes of Israel. When Joseph was sold into slavery, it was Judah who was willing to give his life for his brother Benjamin. Because of his willingness to give his life for another, he receives an amazing prophetic blessing at the end of Jacob's life, that the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. The generation and bloodline or scarlet thread flows now through the one tribe, the tribe of Judah. So as the generations continue, there is a Gentile woman whose name is Rahab, who helps the two spies in Jericho by extending a scarlet rope from her window. She goes on to marry a man from Judah, and she's brought into the Hebrew family. Just prior to Rahab, there was the crazy account of Balaam, a foreign witch and sorcerer who climbs a mountain and sees the tribes assembled and the pillar of cloud hovering over them. And he declares, A star will rise out of Jacob, a scepter out of Israel. As Saul becomes king, as the result of man's desires for a king, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. But when God has his choice, it was David from the tribe of Judah that becomes king, confirming the prophecies and the bloodline of the tribe of Judah. Not only is David a type and shadow of Jesus, but literally Jesus Christ will come from the bloodline of David. So we arrive at the current. The ark is brought to Jerusalem, and David places the ark into his tent, And David desires to build a temple for the ark. But God has a different plan, an eternal promise that overwhelms David and speaks to the future destiny of Israel and is wholly confirmed when Jesus comes 1,000 years later and he is referred to as the son of who? The son of David. The Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world will come from the line of David and beyond this, at the end of the age, the Lion of God will come to rule and reign and fulfill the eternal promise. 2 Samuel chapter 7 After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. So David had a prophet in his court named Nathan. 
Previously, David has had dealings with the prophets, many of them. Originally, there was Samuel, of course. Then there was Gad in the wilderness. Now Nathan, the prophet, is going to take front stage as one of Israel's premier prophets. Namely, he will be the voice of God to King David. In the good times and the bad times, Nathan's going to be around a while. He'll be one who wisely speaks to David after his disaster with Bathsheba, and he's the one who intervenes at the succession crisis at David's death. He was involved with music and the future temple, and according to 1 Chronicles 29.29, there was a book of Nathan the prophet, but it's been lost to time and history. So if I was Nathan, I'd be like David. Do whatever sounds good to you. You've been pretty right on with about everything you've ever done with the exception of Ziglag and Uzzah. But hey, you're God's man. A temple sounds like a great idea. But instead, God speaks to Nathan and gives him a different word. 2 Samuel 7, 4 But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I not ever say to any of the rulers whom I have commanded to shepherd my people Israel, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then tell my servant David, This is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them any more, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. So Nathan just gets this outrageous word for David, and it's a word. It's like God's been looking forward to declaring this word for generations. In summary so far, I've made you king, David. I've defeated your enemies ahead of you. There will be peace and prosperity in the land. Wicked people will be no more. I have outrageous honor throughout the earth and give you rest from all your enemies. Okay, so that's just incredible. But he's just getting started. Here's the rest. Second Samuel 7.11 the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and your rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. So God declares in this prophecy that David's son will be the one to build the temple. First Chronicles provides more detail. First Chronicles 22.8 But this word of the Lord came to me, you have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you have shed so much blood on the earth in my sight. Perhaps Isaiah 56, 7 explains this. For God wanted a man of peace for the temple, not a man of war. For according to Isaiah 56, 7, God's house will be a house of prayer for all nations. 
If this was a letdown, it was like taking away a child's piece of candy and then handing them the rest of the box. The subsequent promise was way greater than the one generational delay in the temple project. For any godly father, except maybe Hezekiah, has a crazy heart for his children and wishes the best for them. Not only was God promising peace and prosperity, but an eternal throne to David. But one that continued from generation to generation, and God would never reject him like he did Saul. And God would take the future descendants of David and treat them like sons and daughters. Royalty would not only have a physical but a spiritual dimension. The sons of the line of David would have a bloodline of spiritual as well as physical royalty. But it continues and finishes with these words, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Now seriously, think about this eternal promise that his throne would be forever. Did God really say that? That David's house and throne will endure forever before me? Are you kidding me? Is that what it says? There's got to be more here. It's like David has done such great things. He's drawn such favor from heaven that he's achieved the breakthrough and promise of not only a physical inheritance, but a spiritual one as well. So then it leads to a million questions. What's the spiritual inheritance? How can any throne become eternal? It's this last phrase that must have torn into David's heart and awed him. I picture David getting this word and chewing on it and chewing on it for a while until he goes into the tent and kneels before the ark. Far enough not to touch it, but close enough to feel the fear of the Lord burning from it. Here's David's heart felt response. Second Samuel 7:18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me thus far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, sovereign Lord, is for a mere human? You get the jive here. David's freaking because decree is for a man, a mere human? David understands, but he doesn't totally understand the ramifications of what God is saying. Second Samuel 7.20 what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people who you redeemed from Egypt? You establish your people, Israel, as your very own forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord God, keep forever the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house. Do as you promise, so that your name will be great forever. Then people will say, The Lord Almighty is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established in your sight. Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. And now be pleased to bless the house of your servant, and that I may continue forever in your sight. For you, Sovereign Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing the house of your servant will be blessed forever. 
To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, let's continue with the scarlet thread and go with the listener-supported practical application. When David dies, his son Solomon will become king, and Israel will walk into its golden age and into an insane time of blessing and prosperity and wealth. Solomon's not going to end well, and it's not going to be pretty. Israel is going to be fragmented in the north and south, and eventually both kingdoms will come to an end before 500 BC. But the word was spoken to David that there will be an eternal kingdom in the sight of God, and the scarlet thread will continue to flow through his family line. When Nebuchadnezzar destroys Jerusalem in 536 BC, some say there was only 10,000 Israelites from the tribe of Judah that survived. Regardless of the number, the kingdom that David founded ended. But what about that scarlet thread? What about the eternal kingdom? Honestly, there is only one way for an eternal kingdom to be. It has to be heavenly. And God fulfilled this word when you read the genealogies of Jesus. For Jesus comes from the line of David. And in his time, he was called the son of David. For he was the chosen one, the one who will crush the head of the serpent, and the one who will return with heavenly armies and establish the kingdom of heaven on earth and the eternal kingdom of God. So following this up, listener Ben Craner from Atlanta, Georgia, sent an email a ways back regarding this topic, long before we even arrived at this timeline. We've been corresponding regarding this event, and we've arrived at David's eternal promise for this episode. Ben's feedback was so practical for us today, I can't help but quote it directly. So this episode ends with the words of listener Ben Craner from Atlanta, Georgia. Following the pattern of Abraham, Moses, David, Jesus, and all who follow in their footsteps, Abraham never saw his offspring as numerous as the stars. Moses never entered the promised land. David never was able to build the temple. And Jesus did not physically save his people from Roman oppression. As with the disciples, the call goes out for them to be witnesses. Witnesses to the promised and holy people and witnesses to the nations. The call to be witnesses to the local Jews and to the ends of the earth brings us back to David. David could not build the temple because he was a man of war. He understood that he could not build a symbol of God's love and greatness because he was known as a mighty and bloody warrior king. Ironically, even in his most epic combat event, he understands his role as a witness to the nations. As they prepare to duel, Goliath insults and curses David. But David, full of confidence and resolve, informs his foe that he will be destroyed so that the whole earth will know that there is a God in Israel. 1 Samuel 17.46 And as we try to understand our role in this life as witnesses of God's love and greatness, we can look to David for inspiration and prayer. Psalm 67 May God be gracious to us and bless us. And make his face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you. God, may all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you. God, may all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Thank you.
Hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we discuss the Tabernacle of David. Feel free to visit the website, messagetokings.com, and leave a comment or question. Or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.